Dude, I don't know what the fuck's happening. Chicago, they have Lollapalooza right now. My friend's there. I'm like, this just seems like a bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they said that 90% of the people there showed a vaccination card to get in. They say that? I just really don't believe it. But... I don't know what how you could lie like, about that. What what was with the other ten percent? Did they just show negative COVID tests, or did they? I guess just, so. Technically, the uh, the Jeff tickets that we got are contingent upon that. Oh really? Yeah, I noticed it said that on the on the thing. Oh, dude, I can't wait to see Jeff. That a uh, pre-show Jeffrance? Shit. Yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, good pre-show, Jeffrance. Uh, well, let's lo- let's launch into it. There's a lot to discuss today. All right, here's adventure, guys. Adventure guys. Adventure guys. Now it's time for adventure guys. All right, welcome to Adventure Guys, the podcast for humans and dogs. I'm Eric the Human. And I'm Nick the Human. Here we are. We're on the other side of 50 now. We're over the hill. We're breaking off a new 50 today. (laughs) I think a thanks is really in order to our hardcore stalwart fan base. Um, You know, there's there's a crew of you that are listening to this show week in, week out. And I don't take that for granted at all. Thank what you. you. What'd you call them the other week? Adventure heads? <laughs> yeah, I think I did. <laughs> Thank you, adventure heads. <laughs> Thank you, adventure heads. We've heard from some of you. We know a couple of you. And then there's a bunch of new folks who are lurking in there that are listening every week. And I love each and every one of you that's hiding in the shadows. Um, yeah, we've been at it for almost a year now. Uh, the season one finale is coming up. <sighs> it's it's going to be insane. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to figure it out. Yeah. No, it, it, it's, it's really been interesting. Um, well, you know, first off, the last two episodes were recorded back to back about almost two weeks ago, I would say, right, Eric? Yeah, it's been, it's been a little bit. So it's a little bit, so we haven't caught up. But uh, yeah, I was thinking this week, I, I revealed this in a vulnerable tender moment to the Adventure Heads just a couple of weeks ago that I've been like trying to lose weight and put exercise into my life and, and stuff. And Eric, I don't know if it was on air or off air, but you given the, the sage advice of look at a pound a week. That's a healthy amount. And I'm still <laughs> going, man. Um, yeah. I, I, right now I'm down as of today, just before I'm down 18 pounds since Christmas. Hell yeah, man. Congratulations. Good job. Thank you. Really cool stuff. And it's happened. I was like, this has happened during the recording of this podcast. Like, it's cool that, like, I'm like, wow, real life has been happening alongside this thing. But this is like an anchor. It's like work <laughs> <Yeah>. or something. <laughs> Man. <clears throat> so that's cool. You're back. And then you're back in uh in New York in the, the usual spot. Yep. Yep. Did a lot of driving. Now I'm back in New York. Uh, had a few little work things and gigging in, in the recording world. And now I've got some free time ahead of me. Whoa. I've got just a few, like four weeks, maybe five weeks almost, but until I go back to Texas uh, to record with the Holophonics. And until then, I'm just practicing music every day, playing guitar, singing, just trying to get better at what I'm doing. Oh, hell yeah, dude. That's so cool. You've written it. Now you have this time to like really get good at it before you go and record it. That's ideal. Yeah. I bought a wah pedal, so I have to learn how to use a wah pedal because I want to use it on the recording. sweet. (laughs) I want to do it too. I need a new wah pedal. I've never used a wah before. It's cool. I can't wait to hear how you use it. Yeah, I hope it's not super cheesy. It's it's got to be just like the right amount of cheesy. <laughs> um, I'm finally gonna record some music down here in like two weeks before I'm leaving. But I'm doing <laughs> um uh, covers like videos, Eric, which you know a little bit about. A but little. um, we're gonna do two covers videos in my living room. Um, and with a bunch of friends down here, I'm going to, I'm going to save them for whenever I launch my project. But this week 
I bought some lights. I bought the, have you seen those sunset lamps on Instagram? Have those things been following you around? No. They've been following me around. Like it's like it's a lamp and it shine at the wall and it's like an ombre sort of orange. Um so I I bought one of those and I went to Amazon and now lo and behold they're selling them instead of for like 50 to 100 bucks with Shay used to be. Now there's just like 50 60 of them for like 20 bucks. So I I bought some of those and I'm going to learn how to edit some video maybe um, or get someone to help me. I'm like, I'm living some Eric life right here. Cool. Yeah. Lighting is uh, an interesting world to get into. It can be super expensive, but if you've, if you're finding some good values, then go for it. It's I'm, like, I'm trying to do I, some Bo Burnham uh, business, I guess, you know, like just find yeah. some cheap shit on Amazon. More Bo Burnham talk. You know, <laughs> here, here's a little, a little nugget of like wisdom that I just came upon. Uh, while thinking about Bo Burnham. Oh yeah, you know what? I, Hit it. Something that I find very funny in general is when someone takes something very seriously and sees it through to make sure it's good, even though it's total nonsense. Yeah, it's like when someone puts in like some real work and effort to like really like drive something home, like that's high quality. Even though like your typical person or even artist would be like, yeah, this is bullshit. <laughs> I think that's a lot funnier than bullshitting something. Like putting oh, in, putting yeah. in like some crazy effort when typically someone would just like off the cuff, like improv some like low quality shit that doesn't matter. Bo Burnham just, he goes in so hard on everything that he does where I think someone else would find it easy to just be like, yeah, it doesn't matter. I'll just make some shit up and it doesn't matter if it sucks because I'm not taking it seriously. I completely agree. And there's someone, I don't know, when I listen, I've been listening to the album a lot. And I can't remember if I've said this on air or not. The difference between podcast talk and my thoughts is just blurred. But um, <laughs> there's so much Weird Al influence, I think, in Inside. I Like a couple of those songs, I'm like, these could be Weird Al songs. Like Problematic and yeah. some of those uh, remind me of Weird Al. And he just that just brings me up like so many people talk down about Weird Al, but it's like, okay, you do that. You go and see through a song like Eat It. Yeah. And recreate the track and and make it actually funny and make the, a good video. Like to to see to see it and then tour the world with it. And like, I don't know, just the everything that it takes to be Weird Al is so impressive to me. The craft and quality behind his music is so high. Like mm-hmm. the production value, he puts far more effort into it than your typical parody guy would, which, yeah, I mean, I've always loved Weird Al. And, you know, of course, the thing that really brought this into focus for me this past week or week and a half or time off that we've had was when I was writing the theme songs for last week's episode. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's some new ones. Yeah. Because um, I was I was listening to an, a new podcast recently and they had a their regular theme song. Uh, it's kind of like a humor podcast. I don't want to call them out, okay. but like their theme song is very bad and it's like bad on purpose because they're not taking it seriously. And I, it just it occurred to me like, this is the kind of shit that I do, but like I, 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 I try, should I not be trying? No. These guys aren't trying. And then I realized that I didn't like it because they, they weren't trying. And if they had made it good, it would have been so much funnier. Yeah, so. I think it's like a holdover from some Gen X bullshit. <laughs> you know, Are we calling out Gen X now. <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> Just like that kind of you know, chill out, like leave me alone, like don't Whatever, make a big man. deal of shit kind of thing. Yeah, it's all bullshit anyway. I'm just gonna like sit at home and watch movies and smoke weed, like that now, very now. disaffected kind of mindset. Yeah, and I think that contextually, when that mindset happened it was very cool because it was, it was in reaction to what came before it, right? Like you think about what's happening in the eighties and it's like this Uber achieving ultra capitalist douchebags doing cocaine and trading stocks and getting rich. Right. <laughs> so the obvious, obvious reaction is like someone like Kurt Cobain or like, you know, and i I think a lot of people mistake Kurt Cobain and think that like that whole aesthetic was like slacker or they didn't, he didn't try, but it's like Kurt Cobain put a lot of effort 
into getting good, right? He famously tried to be in the Melvins and they're like, dude, you suck. And then he learned how to write songs and practice his ass off and then toured the country. What do you know what I mean? Um, and, and I always thought about that too. Like even the movie slacker from that time period, which is a total Gen X classic. Yeah. It's, it's almost called slacker tongue in cheek because you're watching these people who actually have good ideas, but maybe they're just choosing to spend their time differently. And I have no qualms right. with that. It, it's like the boomers watching that would think they're slackers. Yes, exactly. And I, it's, and so like that term I like, but this whole, I mean, I think you and I've always been on the same page of this, but like not trying being something that's cool. Like the less you try, the cooler you are, or the less you care about something, the cooler you are. I'm glad that that seems to have kind of gone out of fashion for the time being. Yeah. And a, a little bit. Yeah. I, I do think like if, if you care too much, you can throttle your own happiness about things. You, there is a degree of like letting go, but also it's cool to care now. It's cool to care about things happening in the world and try to do your part to make them better. And that's yeah. awesome. It's cool to zoom in on something that might seem, you know, inconsequential to everyone else and then make a big deal about it and make it art. Yeah, make it funny. <laughs> or I'm sure you've played in bands or recorded bands or been around people where part of their thing is like, we're not going to try that hard. I'm not going to, I'm not going to dress up that cool. I don't care if we play well. I'm not going to like put on a show. Like that's not what I do. And I think a lot of that is putting up a piece of armor because if you don't try and you fail, it's like whatever. This is all bullshit anyway. But if you try and fail, that's like that hurts your heart. So I think a lot of people yeah. do that thing to protect themselves. Yeah. Shit. Well, I think we just got to the bottom of it all right there. Yeah, that's what I think. So I salute you. I always do <laughs> for making those fucking songs that are so good. It's the best part <laughs> of the podcast. Um, uh, trying too hard. Mm -hmm. But that, I mean, that's me. That is such like a descriptor for me. <laughs> well, I was like, thinking about it too with um, this week. Can I throw a Jeffrance in the mix? Jeffrance number two. Jeffrance. I, uh, we talk about Jeff all the time, but this week I re revisited Vacation, which came out 10 years ago, and that just oh, yeah. really zoomed me into Jeff love. Um, and, and I think it fits in here. I think he tries really hard, he, but he like accepts his limitations and what he's good at in his surroundings. Um, but still does good and still tries, you know? I think that's like a really cool nexus. But I was listening to that and it was really just um, flooding back the memories and reminding me of the first times that I saw Bomb the Music Industry and thinking about like, oh yeah, there is something special about that guy. And then I was reflecting on when you see a good band or a good performer and there's some sort of energy just radiating off of them. Do you know what I mean? Like, when you see four, you see multiple bands and then this band comes on stage and they're playing and all of a sudden it's like everything came alive. Like it's, whoa, I can hear guitars now. And like there's energy on stage and this, this isn't just a room anymore. And it's, it's like amazing. You know what I'm, do you know that feeling I'm talking about? I, I do know that exact feeling because uh, I think Harold and I just talked about it to you. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> on our last episode when we saw the 68 play yeah. that show. Yeah. Cause the 68 were awesome. And, uh, it's almost like we forgot that we were there for the fall of Troy. Okay. Yeah. Oh my god. Um yeah. <laughs> but it's cool. Um I don't know. That was just that felt worth talking to you about, Eric, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Those moments are cool when they, they happen and they don't always happen that often. Yeah. Well it's like um again, you know, the whole Ska Dream album that yeah. Jeff did. It's like they could have bullshitted it. But they specifically were like, you know, it would be funnier if we actually like put effort in and made it good. Mm -hmm. That was their exact discussion. Like, you know, that they've talked about 
Yeah, so if great. you care about this and you like, it's better, and you can see that they care when you see someone caring so much about that. Yeah, I mean, most comedy shows. I was watching Auntie Donna again this week, and thank God Bob Odenkirk is okay. But I watched a couple of uh, Mister shows, and it's just like I think comedy works that way too. Like most just comedy where someone doesn't care isn't that funny. Like most of the things we like, there's an extreme amount of effort put in, but we like it to feel like there's not effort put into it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, speaking of effort, do you know how much effort Finn put in to trying to get out of this fucking cave? Is this our segue? <laughs> Dude, so much effort. Okay. Let's talk about it. Okay. Discussion. How about it, man? He, he, he had to do everything. He had to do a lot to get out of this cave that he got trapped in. Yeah, we watched season seven, episode twenty-four, "The Hall of Egress." I mean, really great episode. You told me, top Eric, you were like, tier. "This is a top-tier episode." Hopefully, we yep. got some new listeners. I hope you guys enjoyed the Scott talk and the Jeff Rosen talk. It really, we gave you a nice slice of what you're getting into in the past 50 episodes, so it's good to have you here. And what better episode to start a new 50 with than the Hall of Egress, which I had never seen this episode. And, you know, I think a lot of times, Eric, we talk about loving the episodes in Adventure Time that are steeped in lore and open up the greater story. This one's kind of a bottle episode. Yeah. Like, it's just really self-contained. But it's okay. It's really done well. I mean, it's one of what the best things you could hope for from a bottle episode. And there's a lot to unpack in this one. Yeah, it's just some intense, isolated character development for Finn. Mm -hmm. And I like the development that we see. Yeah. As usual. So I usually go through these episodes in painstaking detail. Yeah, um, so... Hey, so this but, episode is too good to do that. No, I know. I was going to say, Eric, is that I watched it once and I was going to watch it a second time and take notes, but my roommate is moving and took the TV. So I didn't literally wasn't able to. So <laughs> you got, it's like you put some sort of spell on me that took away my ability to over explain and watch the show. All right. Well, okay. So how about this? Nobody wants to hear a description of the episode. We want to hear an analysis. Yeah. So, so how about, how about this? I'll, I'll give a brief synopsis up top. Yep. Like, and we can dive in. Yeah. And then we can it's analyze a simple episode. at Sim will. It's simple. It doesn't need a long one from me. Right. So here's, here's my brief synopsis and you can time me. I'm going to try and keep it to a minute, minute and a half. Cool. Ready? <laughs> and... All right, Finn and Jake are looking to do a dungeon because that's just their favorite activity. They just love to be friends and do dungeons. Uh, so they're looking for a new spot that they had a friend recommend. Uh, they find it. It's in a weird cave. Finn goes into the dungeon and sets off a trap, locks the door. Jake is outside, so Finn has got to do this dungeon solo styly. It's pretty clear that this is more of a puzzle-based dungeon rather than a battle-based dungeon. He's going through and he sees a door and this door is labeled egress. And from a funny little flashback, we know that Finn has the definition of egress as exit. So he's like, this is where the exit of the dungeon is. Easy peasy. But he can't open the door. and He's stuck. He realizes that he can pass through the door as long as his eyes are closed. So he goes through the door, opens his eyes, and he's right back at the other side of the door. Let's say that's the save point. So he goes through, tries to keep his eyes closed and feel his way throughout the dungeon. Every time he opens his eyes, though, he's reset through space and time back to the save point. So he's trying a bunch of ways to get out. He finds a physical exit where he can crawl through to the top of the cave. He eventually breaks out and he finds Jake, opens his eyes, and he's back at the save point. Loop. So. We know that exiting the physical structure of the cave will not actually complete the dungeon and thus ensues the Groundhog Day sequence of events over and over of Finn trying to escape and just living out his days with his eyes closed or else he's going to reset back to the save point. And Jake and Bimo are not helpful in this matter. 
Uh, they try and force his eyes open, which just resets him back to the safe point. So Finn journeys on his own, sheds all of his earthly connections for presumably years, maybe? Years. Yeah. Just journeys the earth looking for the end of this dungeon, looking for the true egress. He finds a cave and it's eerily similar to the weird cave dungeon that he was in years ago. He's feeling through and he comes to a door and he can feel the label egress. So he opens his eyes because he can't get through that door with his eyes closed. Now he sees the real end of the dungeon after years of supposedly searching for some change, something that needed to be different. He can see the end of the dungeon. He goes through and there's Jake. He completed it. It's over. And that's it. Two minutes and 46 seconds. A little longer than I wanted, but now we can go anywhere. Now we can analyze any bit Mm -hmm. in any order. We can get into the deep, gritty details of this episode uh, and all the metaphors and references because there's a lot, a lot of good things here. Yeah. Now, right off the bat, I would say something that sticks with you is that this is a potentially and truly actually is would be soul crushing and horrifying if this were to happen to you to be trapped in this dungeon for years in this in your mind twisting and consorting and getting out and having your eyes closed for years right but we see is like the true mental toughness and fortitude of finn he like the way he attacks it is like he keeps his heart in it you know what i mean he never gives up yeah so the i think the immediate reference is that it's like a video game Mm -hmm. dungeon like a lot of the dungeon episodes are video game references and when you die in a video game dungeon you have to start over but you can learn from your previous attempt and then make different choices Mm -hmm. on your next go through so you know he's always you know trying he's always trying but the way that he approaches it does evolve after each attempt um, and his mindset is like super different at the end than when he started. Yeah. And what's interesting in terms of looking at this as a metaphor for life, growing up, different things, attacking problems is that, so first off he goes through it, he figures out if he like, oh, it's a magic door. So if I close my eyes, I can go through it. He goes in and as he's walking, he's in this void. And if he makes the wrong step, oh, there's a pit there. So he starts going through it and like on a map, he's writing out what he's finding inside of this cave because it's a void. So he can't see it all. It's like a like an invisible map. So he's doing it. But then and he's taking his time and he's really like thinking it through. But then the route keeps changing. It's throwing him curveballs. He can't learn it. So the way he attacks it, attacks it then is to run, just run through it. Just go. And that actually proves to get him way farther than he had previously. Like if, if he had, if he had just kept trying to think his way out of this situation, he never would have gotten any further. Right. And I think this, this little nugget here is indicative of the overall meaning that I took away from it. The whole episode is that I think this is all about letting go of your past. Letting go of the things that have been holding you back, uh, not trying to let let them influence the way that you move forward anyway. Like you have to keep moving forward, even if it seems like you're not going anywhere. Just keep moving forward, and don't don't let the things behind you drag you back. Because he kept trying to focus on like, this is how I did it last time. I'll use that information that I learned, but that information wasn't relevant anymore. Yeah. When they open the episode, they do like a quick little greatest hits of like Finn's past trauma. <laughs> yeah. Like there's a very quick throwaway line about, oh, this is where uh, like you and Flame Princess, you know, whatever. And, you know, they famously had a very bad breakup. Uh, but Finn kind of laughs it off in that way that like he doesn't really acknowledge his trauma. He just sort of, he, you know, he puts it in the vault. Yeah. we've talked about the vault yeah yeah and then you can see the dungeon train uh have you watched the dungeon train episode Mm -mm. 
it's a, it's a, it's another one of the episodes where Finn kind of gets stuck into an alternate future. Wow. He's just on the dungeon train forever and ever. And he just keeps getting excited by doing like the next task, fighting the next bad guy, getting the next piece of loot. Uh, and Jake has to like, you know, bring him back down from the edge, so to speak, and get him to, you know, come, you know, come back to reality. Because uh, Finn had just wanted to do the dungeon train forever and forget about everything else in his life that was giving him, you know, problems. Mm-hmm. So you you see all that, you know, real quick up top. Finn has not had a good run of it, <laughs> and he's not necessarily dealing with those things in a positive way. No, that's yet. a that's a really cool spin on it, I, and I like that. I kind of didn't necessarily look at it as going away, but I almost like just tackled it as how do you move forward or how do you move forward through your life or even maybe through just one particular problem? Like his problem is he has, has to get out of this, this, uh, this cave, right? This dungeon. And the only, and like what you're saying, the only way to get through it is to keep moving and to keep trying. And sometimes you get into one of these situations where it's going to take you a long time and it's going to be a lot of work. And, one thing that you said in your recap, which I think I have to maybe correct, is that Finn is going out and he's living with his eyes closed until Jake or Bima open him up and then he goes out and does it again, does it again. And the last time he goes out, he kisses Jake goodbye and he goes off and eventually he like sheds his clothes and he, sh- yes. and, and he, he leaves behind everything and is kind of like letting go of this need to act like it's normal or to figure it out. You know what I mean? Like he's no longer, I don't know if he, if he necessarily even goes off to find the end of this dungeon or to sort of just, he can't live a normal life anymore. So he's going to go and just, this is his life. Now he's going to live without eyes. They're going to be closed for forever. You know? Well, the the taking off his his clothes thing is a little bit of a a mirror to when he first enters the dungeon and he's trapped in there without Jake. Um, Uh And he's still going through like the early chambers of the dungeon thinking that Jake's going to be able to catch up with him. So he tries to leave a thread from his shirt for Jake to follow. Yeah. So like Jake can catch up with him. Um, And then later on in his you know blind solo man journey throughout the world he realizes his shirt is frayed and he's leaving a thread behind him and he doesn't want to do that because he doesn't want anyone to follow him so the his his mindset has completely flipped on on what that thread trailing behind is you know is it's now a bad idea he doesn't want people to follow him because he realized that Jake and Bimo can't help him. He has to figure it out himself. He doesn't want anyone trying to tag along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a good point that you raise. It's almost like you're, at, you know. I mean, he says all that. Finn is very helpful to the audience in this yeah, episode because yeah. he talks to himself constantly. <laughs> it is helpful. I saw someone online. There's a bunch of theories online. One that I did like was someone was talking about how it could be a, um, an allegory or like a tale about like moving from childhood through like puberty and adolescence and becoming adult and adult and just like that kind of transformation and tr- kind of like you're saying like holding on to things from the past and then having to move through it and kind of shedding your old identity, his clothes, who he, what he thought was important and like, they were saying, and I, it's so funny because I had this conversation with somebody else, which is like, I think a lot of adults do this and a lot of people try to become adults, but you look for the rubric or the plan or the the, the steps that you're supposed to take to become a normal do- adult and think it through, right? Like you're going to like, I'm going to find the right path here when really you need to like forge your own path and just kind of charge ahead. And um, yeah, which, there's some things you just can't plan for. Yeah. And if you try to force it, you try to, you try to use things that happen to you to like, yeah, yeah. Like if you, if you try to like fit 
do like the square peg it around whole thing with your past experiences onto like your plans for the future, like you're going to get some dissonance. Yeah. And, and this is something I've thought about recently, which is, you know, sometimes I want to get everything in my life, like right here, right now set. Like I want to feel good. Like I want to get into good shape. I want to be reading books, have my friends. I want to get this all set before I do the next thing, before I get a girlfriend involved in any of this. I want to make sure that like, I'm doing well mentally and physically and, you know, or before I record my album, I'm going to like practice a lot. Like we were talking about earlier, um, not putting on to you myself. I think about these things <laughs> when sometimes you might just need to run ahead and just keep going. And you might end up in places you never would have, if you just got caught in this one little circle over here, you know, it's like, cool. That might remain not perfectly solved, but just keep going you know yeah yeah no i i think a lot of people might be feeling that way currently with the pandemic like supposedly being towards its end like a lot of people got into let's say habits over the last year of like either being able to work from home or like just not going out to shows or being able to play shows um and it seems a little bit scary like going out into the world again um, and trying to plan for the future. And then, uh, in my experience, like over the last like few weeks and a couple of months, like just being out there and doing it, removing all pretense, that's, that's enough to like jumpstart the momentum. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems like that's, you know, the future is like very uncertain because, you know, we have to get everything planned and nothing is the way that, uh, it was before. So, like, it's a lot of uncertainty about the future, which, you know, I think is sort of like a general theme of, like, the world right now. So, yeah, this episode is timely. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's interesting, but, you know, it, it is painful because Finn has to, like, go through years of this, like, more trauma to, to get through. But then he eventually gets through, like you were saying, and when he gets, he's been blindfolded for years he's wandering and he finds the cave and he finds the door and he goes in and then it brings him to this new area that we've never seen inside the hall of egress like this void now it's this cube system of like clear and he sees jake and he has to get up there and he starts running and we see multiple versions of him running it almost looks like he's not going anywhere and then we hear a voiceover from princess bubblegum who hasn't been in the episode she was just in that one flashback and she says at the seashell center lies the cornucopia's smallest door. Yeah, it's a great little quote. Very interesting quote for them to just like, and intriguing for them to just sort of drop in there. So the way I interpret that is that, you know, if you're a seashell, if you're running in a spiral, like a cornucopia, it can feel like you're going nowhere, like you're just running in circles. However, every time, every revolution, you get just a little bit closer to the center and you are making a little bit of progress, even though it feels like you're going nowhere. Eventually, you can get to the the door at the center. Yeah. It's a good way to put it. I think that's like really how most things are, unless you get really lucky or you're some sort of weird prodigy, but... I think a lot of things in life are kind of like that, you know, that analogy. I kind of wonder what the importance of Princess Bubblegum saying that is. Yes, me too. Because, yeah, she's not really in the episode except for this brief flashback, which is kind of funny. Yeah. (laughs) When Finn encounters the word egress and it's not a commonly used word, especially as a synonym for exit, everyone just says exit. Nobody says egress. But the flashback is just him hanging out with Princess Bubblegum real quick. He comes across the word egress in a book. He tries to think of the definition and Princess Bubblegum just tells him exit. Yeah. And that's it. That's the flashback. It's a few seconds long. (laughs) So I don't know what the role of Princess Bubblegum in this episode really is and why it's her voice, what that means, if it means anything. Yeah. I don't know either, but she seems, I mean, she holds an important place in, in Finn. You know, it's also sort of like, 
she holds this place of knowledge and compassion and stuff in his his head. Yeah, if you know why it's Princess Bubblegum, send us an email at did you see the mail at gmail.com. Yeah. But that's a really cool moment. But he presumably makes it and he continues on with his life. Yeah, it's it's interesting the whole like Finn like spending years in this. I think at one point he's talking to Jake or BMO and like, cause they keep trying to pry his eyes open. Cause they think that's going to help. And he's like, yeah, man, you've done this 30 times to me before. Yeah. <laughs> so like the sum total of all the time that he's been in this loop is like probably many, many years. So you kind of got to wonder like after he's out at the very end of the episode, he just, you know, sees Jake and Jake's like, wow, that must have been some dungeon. And Finn doesn't really want to talk about it. He just laughs it off. He's like, no comment. <laughs> but is he like a fundamentally older person as well as just a different person? Mm-hmm. It, now, this is also not the first episode that Finn has seemingly lived much of his life uh, only to be reset. Dungeon Train was one of those episodes. Uh, there's the famous episode Puhoy where he lives in sort of a dream world uh, and becomes an old man lives an entire full life and we see like an alternate future of him and then he gets reset it's always a a funny but kind of tragic thing that uh, I've seen happen to cartoon characters you know Um, there's a there's a character in Star versus the forces of evil that this happens to he gets like sent to another dimension where he like ages and until he's like in his 30s and then he comes back and he's a kid again but like they keep making jokes about how he's actually like 38 years old and it's like wait is he really because he's like 15 in the show and like it's like this very tragic thing that like he spent his you know whole life like fighting these evil people in this other dimension only to come back and be a teenager again but like is he does he have the maturity level of a 15 year old still like it what's what's the deal here how it's it's uh it's left very open-ended and yeah. which is funny but also unsettling mm-hmm. <laughs> that's kind of the the finn situation here um how old is finn like well, I mean, it, we know we know that he's like a reincarnated soul and he's uh, kind of eventually you know able to tap into some of those older souls that that we see yeah well, this is interesting because it is a Groundhog. In any sort of Groundhog's Day situation, it's interesting because it's like he's now lived years, but he hasn't physically developed. And it's like due to the types of social interactions, it doesn't allow him to maybe emotionally develop. I don't know. Yeah. I think we talked about a long time ago that uh, movie Palm Springs. I did mm-hmm. watch it. Oh, yeah? How would you like it? No, oh, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> Very uh, nihilistic, um, as Groundhog Day type loops tend to be. Yeah. Uh, but I think, you know, the Hall of Egress sort of maybe flirts with nihilism a little bit, but it doesn't ever dive in. Like, I don't think that's that's really the point of it. Like, you don't ever see Finn get, like, totally disillusioned. He's always just like, oh, well, that didn't work. Let me try something new now. Yeah, it's true. Um, did you see the snail? Yep, I saw the snail. Nick, did you see the snail? Nope. I really lost uh, lost track. I was hoping the second time I walked through, it was really on my mind to look at look for it. But uh, the first time through, I was really, my my mind was just firing with stuff. You know, I, I think having seen every episode before does help me out now that I, like, I've developed strategies looking for the snail. Yeah. Um, he, he, he tends to be in places that are, like, brand new. Like, if you see a shot for the first time. He's going to be in the first shot more often than not. Like he, mm-hmm. it would be really unusual for him to be in like the third or fourth shot of that setting, yeah. um, because at that point you're already a little bit more adapted. 
um, and you're probably able to notice them more. So it's usually like a new shot that's busy. Um, and having seen this episode before, I knew that once Finn emerged from the cave the first time when he pops out to the top of the, the mountain, it was going to be a, a flash of a brand new environment. So I was ready. And lo and behold, he was there. The snail was chilling on the left side of the little top of the mountain. Jake was hanging out looking for Finn. Finn uh, pops up. He's there for just a second. Good place for him. Yep. Well, shucks. Congratulations to me. Again. One second, one second. I'm sorry. Congratulations. A little miscellaneous time. So production notes on on this episode, uh, it's certainly worth mentioning that this was storyboarded entirely by Tom Herpich. Yes. It uh it's one of his three totally solo episodes that he's done. Which um, as we've been talking more about credits, they're usually done by at least two people. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They they've I think the uh, general scheme is that they work in teams of two uh, for like a season or more. And like they really get to know their storyboarding partner uh, and they work with them to divide their their tasks and uh, usually develop like a pretty good relationship with their partner. Um, but occasionally someone's just going to go and do his own thing. And uh, Tom Herpich also did the episode Thank You. Um, which is a another very high rated episode. Um, it's it's definitely like a kindred spirit for the Hall of Egress, where it's like a standalone kind of thing. There's no lore involved. Actually, there's not even Finn and Jake involved in that episode. Thank wow. you. Like they're in the background, but it's all about a snow golem, like who doesn't even speak. You can't use language. Um, very very touching kind of episode. A lot of feels uh, pulls the heartstrings a lot. And I would say that, you know, while there's certainly a lot of dialogue in the hall of egress, um, well, I guess it's, it's mostly monologuing. Um, it's really just about one guy and it's about like an emotional story. So yeah, Tom Herpich does that kind of thing pretty well. And super well, so well that it was nominated for an Emmy this episode for short form animation. Yeah, lost, I think, but was was Thank You also nominated? It might have been. Maybe be I think Be More was, which is another Tom Harpich. But yeah, I mean you can uh you can really see his handiwork in this episode. Yeah. It's got his signature all over it. Now what was interesting, he did say um, he you know the original concept that he worked on for this he found it to be irredeemably dark and unpleasant is what he <laughs> said like the initial version but he just like kept at it until like he kept reworking it until it was usable but I guess it is like possible and it makes sense why it would be irredeemably dark and unpleasant like like we we're saying like this is a really hard situation and I feel like the thing that saves it is probably just how Finn attacks the situation. Yeah. There, uh, you saw the, uh, the PT Barnum story. I'll go through it. Um, this probably would have injected more humor into, into the episode. Um, it was part of his initial idea to use it. Um, and it, it wasn't going to be able to fit. So I'm sure without this, 
this little P.T. Barnum circus reference, uh, it wound up being a lot darker. But apparently the word egress is something that <laughs> P.T. Barnum would use in his circuses and his exhibits uh, <laughs> to trick customers because people didn't know what the word meant and it just means exit. Yeah. So he would trick his customers into looking for this new exotic thing called an egress that they wanted to see. And they would just wind up leaving the circus tent. And so they would have to pay admission again to go back in and see the rest of the exhibits. (laughs) It was like kind of a shitty thing to do. (laughs) Yeah. But make more money. (laughs) Yeah. uh, But that was going to be a more involved flashback sequence in uh, in his initial idea where, where Finn gets tricked with this sort of egress exit situation. Um, but ultimately he had to cut it for, for time. So the flashback that we get is it's, I think it's funnier knowing that the flashback used to be a long like mini story. Yeah. And then instead it's just Finn being like, what's this word mean? And princess bubblegum says exit and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> But I guess it's for the larger context. It's good that they sped right through it. Yeah, yeah. It uh, it didn't need to be super funny. It because this episode has a lot of heart. Yeah, like it. It yeah. The the humor was a little bit low on this episode, but I don't think it. That's it, to its detriment. That yeah, I think it's okay. I think it gets into new and exciting places. Like when Finn in this episode is on the top of a hill. And it's been years and he has no clothes left and he's got sores all over him. I was like, he's like eating off of a knife. I'm like, we've gotten into some new uncharted adventure time territory right here. There's a really funny shot of him eating a skunk like whole. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, man, I love this episode. It was a great one. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of good video game references. uh, All the dungeon stuff. Um, I think if you're, seasoned in in early like super nintendo kind of rpgs or even nes rpgs a lot of the frustration of doing dungeons and then dying and then having to go back to the beginning yeah it really captures that emotion there (laughs) yeah that was something cool i didn't think about and i was like that probably was the foundational foundational inspiration for this for this episode yeah there's um there was one, I don't know if it was a direct reference, but it caught my attention um, since I was already thinking in the RPG dungeon kind of world. Um, but one of my favorite RPGs of all time, one of my favorite games of all time is Super Mario RPG on Super Nintendo. Mm. Um, it's by, it was developed by Square Enix, which did all the Final Fantasy games. They just somehow got the license from Nintendo to do a Mario game, a standalone Mario game. Um, but it's very much like not a mainline Mario vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a little like secret. Uh, there's like a couple instances of this little secret thing where you can find a pathway that's invisible and you sort of walk off a cloud onto this invisible like catwalk kind of thing. And it just lets you walk into thin air and you see all the clouds passing by you. Um, and then you find like this hidden guy to talk to. It gives you like a special secret item, but you're just walking through this void of sky um, on an invisible pathway, which is exactly what the dungeon looks like at the very end when Finn is sort of like found the secret. And he, you know, like you see like the, like the dotted lines of like the see-through kind of path he has to take um, to get to the end, but it's all like sky and clouds in the background. Ah. really weird and I don't know if that's like a direct reference to that kind of RPG trope I don't think it's like that common Art, Super Mario RPG is like the, the most well known example I can think of that does that where you're just like sort of walking through sky to the secret yeah. um, but it definitely set off that alarm in my mind yeah I can see why that's all the mania I got I think that it feels like there's more references in there that I probably just didn't know about uh, but I think you helped fill in some of my blanks. Yeah, I guess uh, it says that Tom Herpich was inspired by M83. Oh, right. Yeah, I saw that. 
from that album, Hurry Up, We're Dreaming, which I was not into at all <laughs> when that came out. I just remember that being like such a fucking hot topic kind of album and everyone was like super hipstering out about it and I was not into it. <laughs> but uh, I guess there's like this kind of atmospheric vibey kind of stuff with spoken word over it. We should check it out now that it's now that there's some distance and see what it's really what it's really about. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, that's where the uh the Princess Bubblegum quote at the end comes from, like that kind of vibe. Yeah. Cool. Well, anything else here? No. I say we uh look on till next week. All right. Well, let's see what we got for next week. What are we gonna watch? What are we gonna watch next week? What are we gonna watch? Okay, we got season two, episode 12, Her Parents, which is another Tom Herpich episode, oh. uh, this time with Akko Castuera. Back to back. I love it. Well, 51, a new 50. I can't wait till we get to 100. We'll have to do a whole fucking thing for that. But uh, thanks again, everybody, for listening. I really mean that. I, I appreciate it. And I appreciate the... I've been, we asked people to email us at did you see the mail gmail.com? A little plug. But people have done that. Some people have given us money in anchor. People are uh, recommending us, we can see. It's heartwarming. And I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so by the time this episode comes out, uh, we will be just a few days out from the release of my new solo EP. Yes. That'll be out on Friday, August 6th. Hell Rate yeah. Fees for borrowed time. It'll be on Spotify and all that shit. Go. Um, but if you want to get it now, you can sign up for my Patreon. Get that shit going. It's good. I can I can say that because I've heard it because I'm on the Patreon. Um, also, uh, I was just on another podcast talking about ska music. Uh, I chatted with RJ and Matt at On The Upbeat, which is a podcast all about ska <laughs> and uh, we talked about the holophonics and uh, some of the origin story kind of stuff with that band. And um, yeah, that's out now. I think it's like episode 70 something of On the Upbeat. So check out that podcast. It's fun. I got it saved to listen to, Eric. I want to hear you on with some other people, see if it's different. Yeah, I'll, I, I did another podcast too, but it's not coming out for a little bit. So I'll keep you all posted on that. Um. Yeah, a lot. A lot is going on I'm in excited. our world. I'm excited for you. Cool, guys. Well, uh, take care. Be nice to each other. Hey. Bye. Peace out, y'all.